because we've got a lot coming up here on this country and, and uh, what to expect from this country. And, and, and I think that as, as we look through our what's going on in this world today, there seems to be a lot of craziness. I'll wait for everybody to kind of get out here and filter out. Hi, Granny B. Good to see you this morning. Um, good to see you. Um, I think about uh, the last few weeks I've been taking time to kind of go through uh, some of the uh, events of the Old Testament, and I've talked a little bit about the last week. Uh, I talked about Moses take, talking to the children of Israel. Uh, they hearkened not unto the Moses, but they what, had anguish in spirit, they had cruel bondage, and they just wanted to do their own thing. And I've had a second thought on this. I think last week we talked about wasted years. But I think sometimes with Christians it's the idea of waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. The Bible, there's a song actually that goes along with this. Uh, I won't sing it. Um, <laughs> I, I, well, thank you, Granny B. I appreciate that, uh, but I don't t- take t- way too much from the message. You guys might just just hang it up after that. So, um, but Isaiah chapter forty and verse thirty-one says, "They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint." Let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, may you bless what I have to say today. Lord, may it be of you, being Lord, that I not speak out of turn. And Lord, that your Holy Spirit would guide my lips and guide my thoughts. And Lord, as David said, uh, Lord, there be no wicked way within me. Lord Jesus, I ask you, Heavenly Father, that you just please bless this message. Pray for all those that have been obedient today, coming out, and uh, been faithful to the cause of uh, uh, the church and Obedient to the calling that you've given them, which is to be called out assembly. I ask you, Heavenly Father, that you just please bless the services today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love this verse. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. I don't know if you've ever seen an eagle. Uh, I've been out into, uh, if you go, yeah, they got these huge wingspans. But I've went out to, uh, uh, there's a bald eagle sanctuary not too far from where my in-laws live, out there in Missouri. And it's beautiful. You go out there and you can see these majestic eagles just flying over uh, planes and, 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 and landing in their nests. It's just a beautiful sight. Uh, I think it's a very majestic eagle. If you think about our country and its, its founding, you do find that uh, one of our, our – our, uh, if you look on your American dollar, you can see the bald eagle on the American dollar. It's a, it's a majestic eagle. Uh, and, and I think about the eagle, and I think of how God's been illustrating this idea. It says, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. I don't know about many things in your life, but when I think of an eagle, I think of something that's uh, majestic, something strong, something you don't want to mess with. I was just showing, um, uh, where was he at? Oh, Matt. I had, uh, I don't want to say this winter, I was pulled up to my driveway, and there was this chicken hawk. Now, a chicken hawk is nothing compared to a bald eagle. But as I got into that uh, that driveway and I looked at that eagle, I even took a picture of it. That thing looks scary. Man, I don't want to mess with that. It just got that glare in its eyes. And boy, it just looked mean. It had a squirrel in its in its claw in its talon, and it was eating it. And I just thought, ooh, I don't want to mess with that thing. I took a nice big picture of it, and I thought, whoa, this is something neat I want to show everybody else about. 
I think about the strength that comes with this verse. It says, they shall run and not be weary. How many is tired in here today? Come on now. Raise your hand. I know there's some people here tired because I'm tired. My wife was in here. She'd be jumping up and down and saying, yeah, amen. She'd be excited. She is a, she, uh, where's my dog? My Chloe's downstairs. Boy, she'd be doing the same thing. She got this warning. She goes, dad, I can't wait till this afternoon so I'd get a nap. And I said, you just woke up. She says, I know I'm just so tired. And uh, my wife's the same way. She's a very tired person. But the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Listen to me, folks. When we wait upon Jesus Christ, he gives us some great things. But you ask yourself, I see you down there in Brooklyn yawning. Uh, I, I, I think some of Christians don't realize that waiting involves a little bit more than just say, I'm going to wait. Uh, you go to the restaurant, what do you have to do? You have to wait in line. Oh, man, I heard voting. Holy cow. My sister waited in line for two hours just to vote yesterday in Ohio. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, we wait on all kinds of things in life, right? Amazon has spoiled us. If you have Amazon Prime, amen, Brother Ronnie? You, gotta, you get two days, it's there, right? You don't even think about it. Oh, 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 yeah, it's like Christmas every day. You're getting a new package, right, if you buy a lot of stuff on Amazon. I see Walmart came out the other day, free shipping, two-day shipping and all their items. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. I can't imagine. When I was growing up, you had to wait two weeks for something to come in. And, and we, 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 our entire lives are sometimes revolve about the idea of waiting. But because of commerce and the way things have gone, we don't have to wait very long, do we? You go to McDonald's or Burger King and you wait for what? Five minutes. I think it's just amazing. I read a little story about Ray Kroc and, and how the McDonald's brothers did worked McDonald's to be at the system that it is. I mean, they had stations, they had everything set up so they could be exactly, uh, get that burger out on time, get those fries out on time, get that shake out on time. I work at Starbucks, and they have, in the morning, they get in, you think that this, all this, all these, these drinks get done so quickly because of uh, disorganization? No, these people are very organized. The managers, they come in, and guess what? They're setting up things, they're setting up people in certain stations. One, one person's manning the ovens, one person's uh, manning the espresso machine, one person's at the drive-thru, one person's taking orders. Everything is what? Decently in order. So you don't have to what? Wait. But let me tell you something. I believe our society has become a society of people that don't want to wait. And Christians are no different. They've come to a point in their life where they don't want to wait on the Lord. They're instead what? Instead of renewing their strength, they're getting angry, they're getting bitter, they're getting bent out of shape. And so when they don't see the Lord answer their prayer yesterday, they're having a problem. They say, God, what about all this stuff that you've been saying? You're going to answer my prayer. It's not happening. I always think about the idea of answering prayer. I think of George Mueller. He prayed almost all his life for an individual, and the person didn't get saved until after he had died. That's pretty amazing. God is on his own timetable. He's not on your timetable. He's not on the government's timetable. He's not even on your work's timetable. He's on his own timetable. It's an eternal God. And as we look at God and see who he is, we need to understand that he is his own person. He does not work for us. We work for him. And I think that's the problem. Too many Christians have what? Become used to the idea that they don't have to wait on God. They don't have to uh, be uh, patient with him. Instead, they want to work on their own timing. 
think another setback, set and we'll talk about this, is that people are forgetting that if you're going to wait on the Lord and you're going to see His blessings, one of the things you have to do is put in work. How many here work for a living? There's a lot of people here that work for a living. You go to work, Sister Kim, and, and you're out there working with patients, and let's just say you go to work one day and you decide, <laughs> I'm not going to deal with these nutty patients. I'm not saying that you say that, but let's just say that, okay? I'm not going to deal with these crazy people. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to sit on my chair right here and sit all day long at the hospital. And I'm going to get on my phone and I'm going to read whatever I want to read. I'm going to watch whatever I want to watch. I'm going to do my own work. What would happen at the end of the day when those patients are not taken care of? And they're saying, who is your nurse? And they say, well, it's Kim. And they come to Kim and says, Kim, what have you done all day today? What have you been doing? I don't want to work today. It's my desire. Boy, I tell you what, Kim would not be working as a nurse for very much longer, would she? I think about my own job. If the espresso machines didn't get fixed, if I didn't come to the door, boy, I'd have a whole bunch of people hollering, where are you at? Where's Harold at? Sam, you think about your own job. What happens when you don't show up for clean a house? A stinky house. And that's the worst, right? A stinky house. A dirty house. And you go out there and, boy, you just decide to do your own thing. You wouldn't be in the business very long, would you? And listen to me. God's no different when we wait on him. Now, God expects us to put in the work. God expects us to be faithful. Some Christians are so bent out of shape, they say, I prayed one time and God didn't answer my prayer. Why not? Have you been faithful to him? Have you been following his will? Or are you instead expecting God? Is he like Santa Claus? Does he just give you whatever you want no matter what? And I think that's the problem today. Christians don't want to put in the work. They don't want to have devotions to their God. They don't want to spend time in prayer. And because they don't do that, they think that God is in the quid pro quo business. Oh, well, if you do something for me, I'll do something for you, God. It doesn't work that way. God wants us to be faithful to him no matter what. Yes, we're going to ask him for things. The Bible tells us to. But listen to me. It's up to him if he wants to answer it or not. He knows what's best for you. I try to tell my girls that all the time. Listen, your daddy loves you very much. He's got something special for you. But you have to listen to him. There are some things that daddy's protecting you from. There are some things I don't want you to watch. I don't want some things you to listen to. I don't let you uh, be a part of this. Why? Because I know if you listen to this and you watch this and you become a part of this, you're going to be a different person. Because the devil's real. Christians sometimes forget that God is your heavenly father and he loves you. He wants the best for you. Yet we turn around and we look at God like he's some mean, mean person. He's like that boy that takes that magnifying glass and burn ants. He's got no care for you. No, that's what Satan wants you to believe. He told that in the garden with Eve, didn't he? He says, oh, he doesn't. He just doesn't want you to be like us, like him. He doesn't want you to be a God. Listen to me, folks. Don't let the devil deceive you. The reason God gives us this reason, or God makes us wait, is because he wants us to determine upon ourselves that we need something better than ourselves. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. I'm going to tell you something today, folks. We're going to be going through our, the Word of God uh, quite a bit. Not that we uh, don't usually, but I've got quite a few verses that God has given me to expose the idea of waiting on Him. 
But the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, 26, let's start back in verse 24. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. Okay? Uh, boy, I sure hope, right? Ever heard someone say that? I sure hope uh, that the government comes back and is able to uh, give us some stimulus money, right? Oh, I sure hope. It's not been seen yet. That's a hope. But you know what? If you know it's something, it's not hope. You can see it. The Bible says in verse 25, But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. The Bible says in verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Listen to me. As a Christian, one of the first things you got to realize is that God is in ultimate control. He sees the whole future. He sees exactly everything that's before you. He knew it. You know everything that's at, that's come before you, the past. But he knows your future. He knows your present. And I think about this a lot. I, a while ago, I had gotten a job through it. This is many years ago, probably about uh, before any of my children were born. I had gotten a job working through a temp agency at a company that was uh, well-known. It was called Solaire Corporation. They made um, commercial compressors. And my job was to receive the orders and make sure everything was put away. And, and it was a good paying job at that time. I think it paid about forty, forty-five thousand dollars $45,000 a year. And, boy, I sure wish I could get it full time. And I remember working that job consistently for nine months, not ever taking a sick day, just being faithful to being at work. And I remember after those nine months went by, I prayed, and Lord, all of a sudden out of nowhere, this job pops up as a full-time job through the company itself. And I thought, whoa, this is an answer to prayer. Woohoo! I said, Lord, uh, uh, you can give me this job. It can work for me. I know it can. And that day I went in for the interview. I didn't get one. I thought for sure I was a shoe-in. I've been doing this job for nine months as a temp. I should be able to be the first one in line. Never got one. I thought, well, maybe it just takes a while. Two months goes by. Three months goes by. And in my email, they sent me a company Dear John letter. And they said, I'm sorry, but we have chosen someone else. And to make matters worse, I literally had to train my replacement. Boy, I was so bitter. I was so bitter. I was angry. God, wait a minute. You're in control. Aren't you supposed to take care of this? And then the next day, I heard... My wife had met someone at Old Country Buffet, and this guy worked downtown. He was a lawyer. Boy, he had a job as a clerk for me, and it paid well. Got some overtime. Boy, I thought this is going to work out great. Lord, you're supposed to provide for me, aren't you? God, take care of me, aren't you? Well, why don't you give me this job? So I took that opportunity. The guy even interviewed me, and even in the interview, he looked at me, and he says, Harold, you are a good fit for this company. I think we're going to hire you. I was so excited. Boy, this is great. I was in the IBM building making 15, 16 bucks an hour. I was like, woohoo! This is great! He never called me back. The worst thing was, he claimed to be a Christian. And he, oh man, I was so upset. And I was like, God, why aren't you doing this for me? If I would have been wise and would have been mature, I would have said, okay, thank you, Lord. You showed me exactly what I should have done. But I wasn't. I got angry. I got bitter. 
gave it a couple more months, and I finally got a job. It took me away from everything that I'd ever been doing. Okay, God, thank you. I was thankful for it. It's interesting. Just literally six months later was the crash of 2007, 2008. Everybody lost their jobs. Everybody, the, that job that I was supposed to get through Solaire Corporation, literally people had been there for 18 years. They had lost their jobs. That job at the law firm, the law firm went out of business. God knew. I kept my job all through the recession. God knew. He knew the recession was coming up. He knew that there was something that was to be said about that. If I would have just waited, I could have seen more blessing because I would have said, Wow! Thank you, Jesus! Too many people are too concerned. As it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, we don't know what we're supposed to pray for. We just need to pray that God's will be done. So I've got four points, and I hope they're a blessing to you. Number one, waiting on the Lord is not a reason to be inactive. But it's a call to action. I don't. When I was young, my dad and mom would give me a job to do, and sometimes those jobs were hard to get done because either my sister or brother were doing the same job at the same time, and the tool that was needed to get it done was not handy. So I would just sit around. I would sit on the couch and I would goof off. My girls in the morning when we're getting ready for church, uh, they're sometimes prevented from. Uh, prohibited from being able to use all the bathroom at once. Uh, you that have more than two girls, uh, you know what I'm talking about. And I remember, man, these girls get up in the morning and they say, oh, I can't get in the bathroom. Have you had your breakfast? Have you had your devotions? No, no, go do it. God does not want us to sit around on our haunches when it comes to waiting on him. God wants us to stay active. Maybe you're saying, well, I'm just waiting for God to provide a job for me. I'm just waiting for God to provide me some type of housing. Or I'm just waiting for God to answer my prayer in this situation. Listen to me. you got to be active to doing God's will before he's going to answer what he wants you to do. Too many people have gotten caught in this idea, well, I'm just waiting. And they've become what? Lazy. They've become uh, having this sense of lack of belief. They've been a, having a life spotted by the world. And so they just think, well, God hasn't answered my prayer, so I'm not going to do anything more for him. Let me tell you something, folks. God wants you to stay in the business. God wants you to stay faithful. Too many Christians have gotten to the point where they say, well, God hasn't answered my prayer, so I'm just going to be lazy towards his will. I'm not going to read my Bible. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to be in church. I'm not going to seek his face. Why? Because I'm too busy with being bitter at God. I'm too busy being lazy with what God has given me to do. You know, there's going to be some Christians that are going to get to heaven and they're going to be so disappointed. He says, while you were waiting for these things that I was going to answer, I could have blessed you even more with the activity that you were supposed to be doing. Don't hang up your hat because God hasn't answered your prayer. Be active what he's already given you to do. It's interesting. Once you start doing those things that are supposed to be active in doing and being obedient, guess what? Those things that God answers when they come, it's like a surprise. You're like, wow, thank you, Jesus. You don't even think about it. Why? Because you're so busy doing everything else. 
helping God, doing what God wants you to do. He's answering prayer here, and he's taking care of things here, and then the things that you've prayed about four or five months ago comes to fruition, and you go, wow, thank you, Jesus. Too many Christians are content to sit back and say, well, I'm just waiting for God to answer my prayer. I can't do anything for God now. It's laziness. Some people become inactive due to their lack of belief that God is watching you don't think that God might be testing. The Bible even tells us here in Romans chapter 8, verse 24, verse 25. But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. God uses what? Trials. God uses tribulations to what? To work in our lives. Patience. The Bible tells us that it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, what? Faith. Meekness, right? There is fruit there that comes from waiting. The trying of your what? Faith worketh what? Patience. God is waiting for you just to trust him and allow him to work. But if you're down there doing your own will and being faithful to your own thing, listen to me, God sees that as well. God knows when you're not living by faith. God knows when, and you know what the bad thing is? This is the bad thing. Christians think that they can just go on vacation. Does it work that way? You go on vacation, you just forsake everything, right? You forsake what you look at, you forsake what you listen to, you forsake what God's given you to do. And I'll tell you what, if we just did that with everything, boy, we'd be in trouble, wouldn't we? I'm just not going to brush my teeth. Oh boy, pastor did that. He did some really raunchy smelling breath. Right? I'm just not going to shave. Well, I shave sometimes. Right? I'm just, ah, you know what? I'm just not going to pay my bills. Well, you can't take a vacation from that, right? What's going to happen if you don't pay your bills? Boy, you might lose your house, lose your car. Right? Not have heat at your home. Listen to me. You can't take vacation from God. He's watching you. He wants to make sure you're being faithful to Him. Sometimes people think uh, that it's okay to be inactive. And when they're doing that, they become spotted by the world. I was talking to my daughter the other day, Adeline. And I had to deal with something she was doing that was very worldly. She's only, how old is Adeline? Nine? She's eight? Can't keep track. Got too many kids. She's eight years old. And I looked at her and I said, Adeline, you can't be doing this. You know why? Because the more that you do it, the more that you're going to love it. The more that you let your flesh allow you to do these things, guess what? You're going to love it. And listen to me as Christians, when we're waiting on the Lord, we've got to be careful that we're not being what? Suckered by the, 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 the things of the flesh, the things of this world. God wants us to be faithful to him. God wants us to be working with him. He wants us to believe in him. And he also wants us to be faithful to him. If you're spotted by the world, how can he answer your calling? How can he answer your prayer? Number four, we should become active because our idleness causes us to sin. Now I'm going to give you some verses on this. Proverbs chapter 31 verse 27. If you don't want to turn there, that's fine. But please write them down. Maybe you can look at them later. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 27. If you know what Proverbs 31 is about, it's about the what? Virtuous woman. Thank you. Proverbs 31, verse 27 says, She looketh 
well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of what? Idleness. Oh, man. I tell you what, I'm always after my kids for not being too idle, being foolish. I notice when they got too much idleness, what happens? They get in trouble, don't they? And listen to me, Christians are no different. They can walk around and say, boy, I just want to do what I want to do. I'm going to go and just... Uh, I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to do what I want, what, what I think is the right thing. I'm just going to do my own will. They sit at home. They watch that television. They sit at home and they spend time in, in front of that, uh, they used to call them boob tubes, but they're not that anymore. They sit in front of that LCD display and they just watch hour after hour after hour. And they forget that there is going to be a reckoning. There's going to come a point where they're going to have to give an account of their life to God. And yet they still forget that God is still there. They forget that God is watching. And so they eat the bread of idleness. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 18. By much slothfulness the building decayeth. And through idleness of the hands of the house droppeth through. I've been by some homes. That just didn't look good. Remember one time we had to do a, I worked in a solar company, and we had to do a home. We have to put these, uh, they're four by eight solar panels on the roof. And one of my jobs was just to make sure that they qualified to put that on the roof. Sometimes these roofs were just not built well. I remember I had this house over, I don't know, it's probably close to 95th Street. And I went up, and before I even got to the house, I could see a hole this big in the roof. And I thought, oh my goodness, this thing looks like it's about ready to fall apart. And I, and I, I, I think about this verse when I see that. And you go, sometimes you go into Gary. How many has been to Gary, Indiana? Boy, I tell you what, you go through there, you see some of those homes, they look like they just need to fall down. And you say, why is that? It's because nobody's been what? Taking care of it. And listen to me, your Christian life is if it's if you're idle with what God's given you to do, listen to me, it's going to fall down. It's not going to look the way it should. Our churches are in the midst of decay, not just uh, the foundations. Yeah, there's some churches that are falling apart, but there's a whole bunch of uh, people that are spiritually struggling and decaying because they are so idle in their Christian walk. They're not taking the time in God's Word. They're not taking the time in Bible. They're not even being soul winners. Why? Because they're eating the bread of idleness. Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse 49 says, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride, fullness of bread, and what? Abundance of idleness. You want to be faithful to God? You want to see God answer your prayer? You better start working. You better start being faithful to what he's given you to do. Not only should we be active because our idleness will cause us to sin, but we should be active because the Lord is not done working. Sometimes he's just leading up to that answer of prayer. Maybe you just need to be faithful in this area because God says, hey, if you be faithful in this area, this will come to pass. But Christians have become so lazy, become so idle that they forget that it's always God's part of God's plan. It's always a long, extensive plan. It's long-term with God. He's eternal, right? He's immortal. But Christians, they want it now. Obedience starts now. If my children don't understand obedience, guess what? When they're 17, 18, 19 years old, guess what? They're going to have problems with authority, aren't they? 
because they were never taught when they were three, four, five, six years old that they need to obey mommy and daddy. God has given us a responsibility, and as a, that responsibility is so important, you've got to understand that God doesn't want you to sit idly by. He wants you to keep on working. God's not done working. Should you be done working? God is still working in your life. Should you be done working? We like think, well, God, you should be working for us 24-7. And he is. But you know who's not working 24-7? You. The Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew whose strength? Their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God is going to give you the strength to keep moving forward, but you have to keep moving forward. Don't take steps backwards. Our church specifically, I believe God's got something special for us. But if our church thinks that we can just rest on our laurels, we're going to start taking steps backwards. And God's going to say, oh, I'm not going to bless that church. I'm going to write Ichabod across the top of it because they're not faithful to what I've already given them to do. You think God wants you to be in church here on Sunday? Yes, he does. But you know, not just Sunday morning. You know, there's three services here a week. Did you know that? Three services here a week. There's Thursday night and there's Sunday night. Boy, if you really are serious about God's will, come back. Come back to the Sunday evening service. Come back to the Thursday night service. Why? Because God wants to continue to work, but you've got to be faithful to what he's already given you. Say, Pastor, well, show me the Bible where I need to visit, be at church on Thursday night, or I need to be at church on Sunday night. I'm, I'm not going to stand here and say, well, hey, you know, the Bible says you have to be here Sunday night, Thursday night. But the Bible does say one thing. That, yeah? But it also says, listen, in the, in the Old Testament, or New Testament, it says that as the day approaches, we are to gather together more frequently. And you say, why? Because guess what? The more that you're in the world, you're going to want to be a part of it. The more that you're a part of this world, listen to me, it's going to distract you. It's going to take you away from what you, you're actively should be doing. Number five. We should become active because the Lord expects us to be faithful. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 says, Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ, stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And we should become active because it takes our mind off of our needs and put them on the needs of others. I am excited about some of the people who have taken up responsibilities outside of the church. Don't get me wrong. I think we should be concerned about others inside the church. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. You should be praying for people constantly. Your pastor does. I take the time to faithfully. I'll send you a message every once in a while. How are you doing? Why? Because I want to know how God is working. How should I pray for you? How should I work? And you should be no different. It shouldn't just be the pastor praying for each other. It should be every person in here praying for the needs of others. You say, Pastor, I'm just not a real sociable guy. You don't have to be a sociable guy to pray. It's between you and your Heavenly Father, for goodness sakes. Spend time praying. You say, well, I don't know the needs. You know what? 
There's a Thursday night that we have here. It's called prayer meeting time. And we give prayer requests. We ask prayer requests. I have a list right now in my Bible. It's in my other book. That tells me prayer requests that I need to pray for this week. God has given to you. Number two. Waiting in the Lord should not involve impatience. What does impatience tell us? If you're impatient with someone, you start getting, you start wondering, right? You ever had a service technician come by and they've just been hour after hour after hour and they start getting sweat on their brow? They start looking frantic. I worked for Comcast for a year. And if I couldn't get it figured out in the first hour, I was in trouble. Why? Because I didn't know what to do. I'd have to call somebody. I might have. And you know what? That's kind of the way that some people feel about the Lord. They think that because the Lord hasn't answered their prayer, that he's not going to. Well, listen to me. Doesn't God tell us to trust in him? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. All thy ways acknowledge him. He shall direct thy paths. It says in Proverbs. Does he not tell us to do that? But when we're impatient with God's doing, you're saying, God, I don't think you're going to do it. That's what you're saying. God, you're not going to answer a prayer. You're not going to do the thing that I've asked you to do. It's telling God, it's a slap in his face saying, I don't trust you. Our impatience not only is a lack of trust, but it also shows a dependence upon self. You can look at yourself and say, well, I can do it. I can take care of my needs. I can take care of my wants. I can do the things that I need to do. God wants us to come to him in prayer on a consistent basis. Our impatience not only shows a dependence on self, but listen to me, our impatience comes with carnal thinking. I've already given you Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. In there he tells us that what? We don't know what we should pray for. Why? Because we are still what? Sinners saved by God's grace. We need the Holy Spirit to be involved. And how are you going to get the Holy Spirit involved? It's by asking God to show him the way, show you the way. I know for a fact that I have been unfaithful in this area. God has convicted me really hard about this. God wants us not to fret and worry. He wants us to say, okay, God, you're in control. Even with this job situation that I told you folks about. If God doesn't give me the job, I'm going to say, thank you, Jesus. Why? Because I know he's still in control. He's bringing me toward where I need to go. He's going to show me something else. I just need to trust him. He knows my future. James chapter 4. Let's turn there. James chapter 4. Love, love, love James. It's such a short little book. but Boy, it is slam packed full of stuff we need to know. James chapter 4 and verse 5. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain that the spirit that, I'm sorry, in vain the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Submit yourself, verse 7, therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Okay? What does God say? He what resisteth the what? Proud. Proud, the, the self-dependence. Is what? Pride. I talk about old school. 
I don't need any help, right? My grandparents' generation, that's the way they were. I can do it myself. I don't need any help, right? Even my dad's generation, they're kind of like that. I, 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 I don't need that. You know what? Sometimes that is the worst thing you can ever do. God wants to help you. He's willing to help you. But if you don't turn to him, he's not going to help. Turn to verse 3. It says, he asked not and received not because you what? Ask amiss, that you may consume it on your own lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friends of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is enmity, en enemy of God. Listen, when we're asking God for things, we need to know what the Holy Spirit expects from us. We need to know what God expects from us. And if we're asking him for things, listen to me, we can't ask him for something that's not going to work. My children, you like the cell phones, don't you? Would you like a cell phone? Yeah, she would. She would. She would like a cell phone. Pastor, do you, do you like cell phones? It'd be nice to have one, wouldn't it? No? You got a tablet at home? Yeah. So does Brooklyn. But you know what? My daughters, they, they, they're growing up, and they think that a cell phone is a sign of adulthood, maturity. Right, Brother Sam? Most adults are saying, can I throw it away? Can I get rid of it? But you know what? I don't allow them to have a cell phone. I don't even let them have an unlocked phone or an unlocked tablet. Why? Because they're not ready. They don't have the maturity to handle it. And I think about that with our relationship with our Heavenly Father. There's a lot of things we want, don't we? Sometimes God's just waiting for us to show that maturity. I sometimes think, not that girls are any easier to raise than boys. Some people say that. Maybe God, I, God waited six, five daughters before I had my boy. <laughs> Maybe God just said, you're not ready, Harold. You need some more work. Okay? But you know what? I believe God just, he's waiting for us to show that maturity. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 2, it says, My brother, count all joy when they fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect worth that ye may be what? Perfect and entire, wanting nothing. The Bible says in verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Uh-oh, verse 8, a double-binded man is what? Unstable in all his ways. You march around thinking that you think you know what you want. You want God to answer your prayer. You better know it's God's will. You better be faithful to it. You say, God, I am serious about this. This is exactly what you want me to do. I know this is God's will. Then you better start showing God that you have some maturity to follow through with it. God doesn't just give us things because we want it. He gives us things because he knows that we need it. And he knows that we can handle it. He's just waiting for us to show those signs of maturity. You expect for God. Now, God blesses in spite of ourselves all the time. But you know, you want to see God bless your prayer life? Spend a lot more time in it. You want to see God bless your prayer life? Spend a little time fasting. You want to see God bless your prayer life? Say, God, I'm serious. 
I'm going to spend time in your word. I'm going to spend time fasting. And I'm going to spend a lot of time in prayer. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth what? Much. Effectual fervent. It's not just saying you're praying, hey God, I want a million dollars. Take care of it. Wouldn't that be nice? Someone just comes to you, hey, you know what? I'm praying. God led me to give you $200,000. Boy, I tell you what, I'd be like, woohoo! And then this society would go fast. But you know what? That's not the way God works. He's waiting for you to depend on him. He's waiting for you to look to him. He's waiting for you to just to take care of your needs. He says, I'll take care of it, but you've got to trust me. Some people, they get around and they say, oh, God's not going to answer my prayer. We have prayer time. We have prayer requests. Oh, pray for this person. Yeah, they're probably not going to get saved. It's not going to happen. Oh, boy, I need a job, but ah, God's not going to take care of me that now, you're not saying that out loud, but in your heart you are. You know God, you want God to answer your prayer, but you have this sense of doubt. That's why the Bible says, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. We went out to Lake Michigan. Oh, man, we got this great photographer. He's uh, Courtney Lewis's, uh, Pastor Courtney Lewis's uh, assistant, Abraham. And uh, he did this fantastic job. We went out to Lake Michigan, and I could see these waves come up, and they would just crash, right? The girl's like, whoa! We pulled up, and, and this is, uh, it was real windy that day, and the waves were just coming up real high, and they were crashing. You think about that water and how, how, how um, I don't know how to say this, it's liquidy. That doesn't even sound right, does it? Uh, very uh, 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 liquid, I guess you'd say. It just kind of goes wherever it wants, right? The water pushes it this way, it goes that way. Water pushes it this way, it goes that way. And Christians are the same way. Oh, the world says to do this. You do that. This relative, unsaved relative tells you to do this. You do that. Oh, this unsaved friend tells you to do this. You do that. God's word tells you to do this. And you go, I don't know what I should do. Our impatience comes from believing that we can manipulate God to do our bidding. That's the next point. Waiting on the Lord is not quid pro quo. What does quid pro quo mean? Anybody know what quid pro quo? Without cost. Uh, without cost, okay. Okay, all right. Anybody else? I'm not saying those, those are good, uh, bad answers. Let's see if anybody else. Anybody? All right. Quid pro quo. I took a definition from the dictionary. It says a favor or advantage granted or expected in return for something. A favor or advantage granted or expected in return for something. I mentioned earlier that many Christians think that they are the master and the Lord is the servant. Is that what, does that sound right to you? I don't think so. Uh, I don't think, uh, who, how many have bosses in here? Do you go to your boss and say, you know what, uh, I need you to do this, this, and this. Where's Dave at? Dave, do you do that to your dad? He just raised his eyebrows. I can't see his face. Uh, I don't think so. I think for the most part, Dad gets to work and shows Dave how to do it, right? Matt, you decide what you're going to do for the day. Uh, do you do you have dictation over your day and what you want to do? No, they're constantly on top of you, aren't they? <laughs> I remember when I worked for Comcast. The worst company I ever worked for was Comcast. They would literally, I'd get to the job site, and before I was even there for two minutes, 
They sent me an alert and said, when is this going to get done? And then, after I'd been there for 45 minutes, they'd say, when are you going to get to the next job? It was such a minute-managed job. And you know what? I couldn't tell my boss, you know what? I'm going to spend five hours at this job because it takes a little bit longer, and I'm going to probably only spend like 30 minutes at this one, and then I'm going to go home right at 4.30. Is that okay? No, it doesn't work that way, does it? When you go to work, you've got to listen to what the boss says. He tells you exactly what you do. Now, praise God, some of you guys have uh, work for yourself, but you still have customers. They expect something from you, don't they? They know exactly what they want, and if you don't do the job right, whoa, watch out, you're going to pay. Right? They're not going to pay. And in the same sense, people think that if they come to God, they can say, well, God, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. Oh, it doesn't work that way. The only way it works with God is say, God, I'm surrendered to you. Please work in my life. Whatever you want, I want. See, that just changes the whole dynamic, doesn't it? It says to God that, boy, my life is yours to control. There's a song that goes with this. I give you my heart and my soul, right? And you look at God in a different light. It's not a, we used to have a guy in our church who'd say, God, I've heard these, these, these deathbed testimonies, right? God, if you save me from this, I'm going to serve you the rest of my life. Is that the way it works? God will use that. But listen, God is not a quid pro quo. It's either surrendered to him or you're not. It's either faithful to him or you're not. You need to ask yourself, are you being looking to God in exchange for something? I look at myself and I know who I am. Romans chapter 3 and verse 10. We use this verse a lot, but how many's read the verses after it? Romans chapter 3 and verse 10 says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Boy, here's some rough language here. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in the ways, and the way of peace have, not, have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Boy, that tells exactly who we are, doesn't it? Do we have anything to offer God? Ah, yes, we do, actually. Our lives. Our lives. God wants your life in exchange for what? A life of serving Him. I've told this illustration a zillion times, and I'll tell it again because it's a perfect illustration. When World War II ended, the Japanese got with John MacArthur on the aircraft carrier. I forget which one it was. I think it was the Constitution. I could be wrong, you history buffs out there. And it's interesting, when they got before the signing table, one guy, uh, the Emperor of Japan, the other side was General Douglas MacArthur. When they sat down to sign that document that gave peace, they asked, the Japanese asked the, the United States, what is the terms of, your, of, of the surrender? And John MacArthur looked back at that emperor and said, unconditional surrender. Unconditional surrender. That means everything they were was now the United States of America. They were no longer the, of Japan. They were of the United States of America. There was nothing that they could offer. 
And it's the same way with our Heavenly Father. When you come to Him through salvation, you're coming to Him realizing that you are worthless without Him. You're worthless. You're nothing. You are nothing. But when you give your life over to Jesus Christ, He makes something of you. You become special in His sight. He no longer looks down at the waste of human flesh that you were. He looks down and sees His Son, Jesus Christ's blood, covering your sin. And that's someone who He loves very much. Listen to me as Christians. We cannot ever, ever, ever think that we can come to Him any other way. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy... For his great love, wherewith he loved us, even we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Verse 6. And hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come we show forth, we show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. And this is the verse that everybody knows. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and then not of yourselves. It is what? A gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Listen to me. When we come before God, we have nothing to offer. We are literally empty. And God is just there to fill us up. Turn to Jesus Christ. Number four, and this is the this is the key. If you want to get some success in your Christian life, here's some things to remember. Number four, waiting on God is complete trust in a loving Heavenly Father. Number one, don't be double-minded. If you want God to work today, don't be willing to go back to the old ways. Don't crucify Christ afresh again. Say, God, I'm surrendered to you. You start hating everything that the flesh has to offer. Now, I'm not saying you're going to be completely successful. You'll still fall because you're still a sinner. That's still that old man is there. But you're going to say, you know what? I'm not going to be double-minded. I'm not going to go back to my old ways. Number two. Not only not be double-minded, but determine that God knows the future. Does God know what's going to happen? Determine that. You don't know the future. You don't know what's going to happen, but God does. Determine that he knows it, not you. Number three, discover God's love through his word. I'll tell you, and I found this so true recently. You read God's word, and you feel his love. You discouraged? You downhearted? Are you discouraged? No, no, no. Are you discouraged? No, no, no. The devil has come. I can't remember the whole song, but brother, you've heard that, right, Brother Glenn? I have the word of God that encourages me. Yes, David, encouraged David. Listen to me. It'll encourage you. Read God's word. Love God's word. Spend time. You get a little bit of down heart. You're a little depressed. You're discouraged. Say, God, show me. Encourage me. Love behind me. God will do it. God will do it. Sever God's love through his word. Number four, distinguish. Distinguish your relationship with God through communication and prayer. You know what's the difference between someone that's a husband and wife and someone that's not a husband and wife? They might be acting like husband and wife, but they what? They communicate. They're intimate with each other, right? They spend time with each other. 
when I first got married, I've told this illustration before, but when we first got married, me and Cassie, I've been traveling to, from Indiana to Chicago for about, I don't know, this is going on 20, 25, 20, 23 years. I've been doing that. Back and forth. Lived in Chicago, or lived in Indiana, and, and traveled to Chicago. And I was doing that before I was married. And I would take this trip, an hour trip, and you know what you do when you're all alone, right, Brother Sam? You're talking about this, right? Your mind is doing all this, right? It's constantly turning, you're thinking about things. My wife, she was already a quiet person, so I just thought, well, you know, we're going to get in this car, and it's going to be the same way, right? No, she just, whew, she just kept blabbering. And I, I had the hardest time following her. Why? Because I was supposed to be thinking. And my thoughts were over here, and she's going, da 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 She still does that today. She'll tell me stories. And so I just drop all that I'm thinking about and just say, okay, what do you, what do you got to say? Because I realize this is the time that we can spend together. And God wants that same type of communication. We're kind of set in our own path. Like me over here, I'm doing my own thought patterns. And God's saying, hey, I just want to talk to you. I want to spend a little time with you. I want to hear from you. I've been reading this book. Maybe it'll improve my ability to be a pastor. It's called The Art of Pastoring. And one of the things he said that a pastor does, there's all kinds of things, the responsibilities of a pastor. He's, he's a communicator, or he's a, um, he's a promoter, he's a, uh, uh, he's a, uh, a preacher. There's one other thing, he's an uh, administrator. One of the things he says that the most important thing that most pastors miss, and that is being a shepherd. A shepherd. And what he defined as a shepherd is someone that communicates with his people and knows what their needs are. And I'd say, I have to say, I've probably failed on that area. But I understand the importance of it. Why? Because you'll never know your people unless you talk to them. And it's no different with our Heavenly Father. He is the what? The Good Shepherd. If you don't talk to your Heavenly Father, how can He direct you? How can He give you the path that you need to go down? How can He show you the light? He can't. Because you're too what? You're like me over here in this, this car. I'm driving along, right? He's talking away. He says, listen, listen, listen. And you're still over here doing your own thing. Number five, distinguish your relationship with God through communication and prayer. Number five, despise the attack of sin through doubt. It is a decision. You say, really, Pastor? Yeah, it's a decision to decide what's right or wrong in your life. I, I'm sure some of you would like think, man, I would just love to go out and just get a $500,000. And you know what? Maybe you say, ah, I'm going to go to the bank and rob them. Now, why don't you? Because you know what happens if you rob a bank. You're going to end up spending time in jail. Because why? You're going to get caught. And there's no different with your relationship with Jesus Christ. You have to make decisions regarding that doubt. When Satan throws things your way, what do you do with it? Do you listen to him? Oh, yeah. Or do you say, no, I'm done listening to you, Satan. You're wrong. That's not the path I need to take. I'm not going to allow doubt to be in my heart. Number six, and I love this because this just makes so much sense. When you're waiting on your Heavenly Father, deliver good things to others. Deliver good things to others. I find that the people that are the happiest are the people that are doing things for others all the time. They're thinking of others, putting time to helping others. 
Now, I'm, I'll be the first to say that our church needs to move forward a lot more in our ministry outside of these four walls. I'm trying to work on some things, and hopefully next uh, year we'll have some plans in place to work on our ministry for others outside this church. But listen, listen to me. You want to be happy. You don't have to wait for a pastor to make a ministry to do it. Go out and do it yourself. Go out and do it yourself. Is there a need that you see? Complete it. Is there somebody that has a has a, a, a desire, a want, or something that needs to be done? Help them. I'll tell you the biggest blessing this week. I just I'm just uh, tickled pink about this with my wife. She's put it on Facebook the other day. We have these friends. I I tell you, I haven't seen them since college. Uh, they went to uh, First Baptist of Hammond many years ago. We worked with them at a, at a loan office back in the day. And uh, they're just a sweet couple. They didn't have any kids. Uh, they've been faithful serving the Lord in Christian schools in West Virginia and Pennsylvania. And uh, Cassie was talking to one of them on Facebook, and uh, the, the, the wife, and she was saying how she was just so grateful or she was asking her about pans, some type of pan. I don't know. Don't ask me about pans. She does all the baking and cooking in our house. And she was telling her about these pans. And she's, oh, they're the best pans. She's like, I'd love to have a pair. You know, I haven't seen this again. We haven't seen this lady since 2004, 2005. And Cassie came home the other day. She walked up to the door, and there's this huge package sitting on the front. And she told this lady she just didn't have the money. It's sitting in her wish list on Amazon. She just didn't have the money for it. This lady who we haven't seen in years just gets up and buys it for her. $120 set of pants. She was just tickled pink. And it was funny because she knew exactly what they were doing. They were loving on her as a Christian. God had spoke to this lady's heart and says, buy those pants for Cassie. No, I'm not saying that she needed to go buy pants for someone to see God bless. What I'm saying is they did it because they felt the Lord leading them to do that. Is there a need of someone in this church? We need to be thinking of others. You want to see God work? You want to see God uh, answer your prayer? Be busy about doing his work already. Deliver good things to others. Maybe it's just a word of encouragement. Maybe it's just a, hey, how you been? Can I pray for you? It's what? Thinking about everybody else except you. And I think God will bless that. Let's stand together.